Welcome to episode 93 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing? Yeah, doing good. Very good. Okay, so uh, you wanted to start off, we need to make up for um, a lackluster job last week of uh, giving a shout out for Donovan. Is that, that's probably our first thing to do, right? Yeah, totally. It was a cross between the two things. Like, firstly, we wanted to make sure that we did a shout out for Donovan um, about being the grand patron of the show. The other point was, was that we were, because we were interviewing two guests, it was difficult to kind of get it in correctly and sort out the priorities correctly. So we did a pretty bad job. So, so this show is the show that Donovan is going to be absolutely the grand patron of. In fact, it's going to be Molly, his newly born daughter, who's going to be the grand patron of Texing 93. All right. Well, um, and he, he sent us a, uh, a picture and I think a video, right? So we'll put those links up on the uh, blog, up on the uh, site, right? Yeah, we will. And just, just so everyone knows, it's not like Donovan sent us an email bitching about it. <laughs> he wasn't complaining. He just uh, pointed out that he wanted us to promote his, uh, his, what, his site, hop.ie, hop.ie. He says, uh, so let's take a look. What is hop.ie? Welcome to hop.ie. We make websites. We offer complete online promotion with attractive websites and effective online marketing. The reason why we're mentioning Donovan and we're doing such a bad job of it is because we have a, a donation drive where people can donate money to our show. And we will make them a grand patron or an executive producer of the show. Just go to textinglive.com forward slash donate to find out more about that. Yeah, so it's $100 to be a grand a patron for sure. Yeah, show, that's right, yeah. Right? And it's $50 to be an executive producer. Yeah. Hey, that hop.ie looks kind of good. I mean, that's, that's you know, it's one, one of those times where you get to a site and it's like, oh, yeah, that's designed well. It's pretty mm-hmm. simple. It's got mm-hmm. a really, really good call to action. I mean, nice. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So, uh, well, once again, Donovan, congratulations on the birth of your new daughter. That's fantastic news. And thanks again for being a uh, grand patron. And uh, for anyone else out there who's on the fence, we would really appreciate uh, any financial assistance you can give us. We have a lot of things we want to do with the show. One is we want to continue to upgrade the audio. Uh, Two, we want to get a uh, complete redesign for the site, uh, really make it we also have another idea, um, but we'll, we'll get into that later. I mean, I don't want to go, go on too long about the donation stuff. So let's okay. just move on to the fact that you basically had the most awesomest week ever. <laughs> the best week ever. Like you, like, you absolutely, I mean, you, you took a swing and you, you hit for the fences and you knocked that ball right out the park. Yeah, so I wrote, um, the, I finally finished writing in uh, the, the blog post how I screwed up my Google acquisition. Yeah. And I, 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 I thought of it probably three or four weeks ago, and I brought it up on um, the show we did with uh, Pete Michaud and Rob Walling. And I, I, I ran about 10 potential blog posts by you guys. And a few of them, you guys were like, yeah, it's pretty good. And a few of you were like, eh. <laughs> you just you just ran the subjects past us, right? So you, yeah, were, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I ran the subjects past you guys, but that one was immediately all three of you were like, yeah, I'd read that. <laughs> yeah. So I had a pretty good sense that that was gonna that was gonna go to the front page, and not only go to the front page, but it was probably gonna go to number one. Um, but you know, it's funny. I I spent a lot of time working on it, and I really got burnt out on it to the point where I almost uh, couldn't finish it. <laughs> how, how much time were you were you working on it? How long? I probably spent eight hours on it total. So that's a long time on on one blog post, but it was a very important story to tell. I mean, to be honest, I think you intrinsically knew internally that this was the one that could really kind of make it have a breakthrough. So I think you did the right thing by really paying attention and crafting it that way. 
Yeah, well, you know, it's one of those things you, you write something down and it just doesn't come out that clean or that interesting the first time. Right. And, and, then you, and then you go back at it again and again and it's still, it's just a struggle. It's like I'm, I'm reading it and I'm just like, oh, this is just, it's tiresome to get through. I mean, it's just, it's a little discombobulated. But finally, after like my fourth rewrite, I, I think I had it. And it was funny because the morning of, this is Wednesday morning, uh, I was just sort of getting the HTML all uh, formatted and everything, get the hyperlinks in, and I, and I pinged you on, on uh, Skype and I said, hey, you want, mind checking out? How many times are you going to tell this story? You've told this story to everyone we've met. This is like the most exciting aspect of this whole journey for you. No, I'm <laughs> like, well, I told one person, but I guess you get your feelings hurt by it. So, <laughs> what else? So, I told, uh, I told Pat. So, you go... I go, hey, we check this out. And you're like, yeah, the second sentence, you got to lose the second sentence. It's just, it's just, I can't get through it. <laughs> I was like, what? And so, I, and, I, and you were like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, I don't know what you said, but it was just like, it was terrible. And I'm like, you're wrong. The second sentence just seemed so much like you just saying something about yourself for saying something, just for the sake of saying something about yourself. It just seems so like, I'm just saying this thing about myself. No, and, no, uh, and that's what I was like. Why? It was setting why? up a context. It was setting up a framework for what was going on, right. what, what I was working on. And that, it was only one sentence. But, um, yeah, it was funny because even if your criticism had been legitimate, I was so burnt out on working on it, I wasn't going to change a damn thing, right? So you're like, right. I was like, no, you're wrong. I'm well, not it, it, it didn't make any difference to how successful the post was because, I mean, that thing rocketed and it's, it was like one of the most successful hacker posts I've seen. Yeah, so. So it's in total, I think it had like um, something like four. I'm going to look it up. Last time I looked, it had, uh, let's see here, um, submissions, 456 points. And it basically lived at the top of Hacker News for at number one for like maybe 12 hours or something like that. Yeah, but on a good day. I mean, not just a Sunday. I mean, I've, I've done that a couple of times on a Sunday and I'll get something like, <clears throat> I don't know, 8,000 visits. And, um, but you, you did that on a really good day. And how many visits did you get in total? And what day, what day did you get it on? I put it on Wednesday morning around 10 o'clock. And it was really, you know, when you, when you do it, when you put it on a, in the morning on a weekday, yeah. there are a lot of posts coming through. So I think it can slide down and I'm knocked off the page in like yeah. 45 minutes sometimes without getting a single vote. So it got down to like seventh or eighth place with no votes. And I was like, oh crap, don't tell me I spent all this time on this post for nothing to happen with it um but then um you tweeted it which helped get it i think maybe two or three votes and that was enough to just knock it to the front page right and then it started getting votes and it and it rose um you know based on that but um yes yeah, so what's, what's interesting is that yeah okay so the total uh I think it's around 30,000 uniques. So you got 30,000 uniques from being on the front page of, from being basically number, between number one and number five on Hacker News for the whole of Wednesday. Yeah, well, and, and then Thursday, and then it was still, Thursday morning I came on, I woke up, and it was still on the front page. And then it started falling down to the second page, and then it would get voted back up to the front page. It was like a zombie, you'd kill it. And come oh, back so, to it's like, so, so it was almost like a, it had a long tail on it that kept on going for a second day. Oh, yeah, no, it kept going. So it was on the front two pages, even through a lot of yesterday. It wasn't hmm. until the end of Friday afternoon that it finally got off the second page. And then it got a second life on Twitter and All Things D and Tech Meme. Um, huh. So it was, it, it really, it really, yeah, it really had a second, a long tail. And um, you remember we, the show we did last week with uh, Gabriel Weinberg and Phil? Yeah. So Phil, Phil mentioned... He said, you know, the one thing isn't about writing blog posts uh, is it has a long tail. 
we were talking about submitting stuff to stumble upon. Right, right. Debating about should you write a blog post and submit that to stumble upon, or just have a stumble pay for a stumble upon ad and have it linked directly to your uh, software. Well, you can do both things. I mean, you can write a blog post and and submit it to stumble upon as a paid thing, and then hopefully right. that will get seeded. So you could have done that with this, for example, right? Right. You could. You, you could have written this and then set it up as a paid ad on StumbleUpon and then maybe it would have gone viral on StumbleUpon as well. In fact, you know what? You should. You actually should. I mean, it might be worth you know, $10 yeah. or something. Try it. But, so well, Phil made that point and he was right because uh, you know, long after, you know, after it had already gone for third page or something in Hacker News and it was kind of dead on, uh, for, you know, on that um, site, it, 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 Twitter and All Things D. All Things D is, was um, the Wall Street Journal. Yeah site and so it's a featured like voices from the web and so it's on there so that is awesome so now you have you've had 30,000 uniques right yeah. and what's that con- like be- pretty much at the top of your blog it says by the way I'm I'm making app ignite which is a tool that's going to help you build web apps really easily uh, click, yes. here, click here to sign up for my beta now how many people have signed up for the beta because of this story uh about a thousand fifteen at the <laughs> moment <laughs> Over a thousand people. So coming into this, so for the past month, I had like eight hundred and twenty or something. Because you'd done previous blog posts, and each time you'd get maybe a hundred or, or a couple of hundred people joining up if they got onto the front page of Hacker News, right? Yeah. Well, the biggest, the the, the most popular blog post was how I'm bootstrapping a startup with three kids, and yeah. that like had hundred and twenty points. And at that point, you were like shocked because you're like, man, that's huge, and it got about one hundred and twenty three points, and it was on the Hacker News on the front page for a good portion of a day, and that 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 got me about two hundred and two hundred twenty signups. Yeah. And then a couple other ones that were pretty good, like how I ended up sleeping on my Carrington's couch and Lux surface area, how to increase your Lux surface area. Those each got like 50 or so that one. Um, the one that I submitted about how to, uh, make the most out of Twitter in five minutes a day spent that, that spent the day on a Sunday on the front page of Hacker news. And I got 120 signups out of that with 8,000 visits. So, So we're getting some interesting, interesting kind of provable, repeatable metrics about this. Yeah, and I think it, 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 one thing it points to is the discussion we had early on, where, whether it's worth, you know, spending a lot of extra time to, to do something really good, as opposed to like knocking something out in a half hour, you know, because initially your thought was like, well, maybe if you just put out a lot of stuff, it's mm-hmm. just a numbers game, something to get up there. And my contention was like, I don't think that's going to work. I think you want to try and every single time you step up to play, you try and hit it a home run every single time. We, we've definitely both had better success at crafting articles and um Putting, putting that extra time in. But you know, what, one thing that's interesting is in the past, we have said, we've stated on this on quite a few shows, right? That Hacker News is a useless, you know, it's useless traffic. <laughs> Who are you? I, no, 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 no. Stop there. You said that. <laughs> well, I, I, I said that. Completely I, opposite. That's your opinion. Well, the reason why it's. Okay, the reason why I'd said that is because I'd, I'd got a number of things on the front page of Hacker News for Plugio. And Whenever I got it on the on the front page, I got the ten thousand views, or whatever, but I just didn't get any kind of action from the audience. Whereas this time round, because what I'd written was so kind of relevant to anyone, you know, even to the hacker news people, um, when, when when it was basically, I guess I hate to say it, but it was kind of like a sales letter. But it I, was I, it was a sales letter. I didn't really mean it to be. I mean, I was just trying to explain the case for for how to tweet in five minutes a day. But basically, that. That crowd of eight thousand people came in and you know turned into one hundred and twenty conversions. So yeah. that all of a sudden means that actually traffic can be relevant as long as you target it. And this goes back to that time um, you were talking about that <laughs> when you were giving Mark advice, right? You, you just kind of went to the, went to the one guy, told him what you needed to do, 
Remember that time? Real specific, very specific call to action. This is what I need you to do kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I still got to finish that blog post for for this. So that reminds me. But yeah, you know, in, in my blog post, none of them have been about really about Epic Night at all. Right. And but luckily what I'm building, what Epic Night is going to be appealing in general to the Hacker News crowd more than, say, Plugio. So it's very relevant to them. So even if I come and read an article that isn't about Epic Night and they happen to see it, they might be like, huh, that looks kind of interesting, you know. So that's probably why I get a little higher conversion. But it, anyway, it's turned out to be a really good um, Kickstarter for me in terms of getting, um, getting a beta list together because now I have, what, like uh, over 1,800, 1,800, I don't know, 1,850 or something people waiting. Um, and the initial goal that we talked about was maybe getting 2,000 maybe 3,000 mm-hmm. people. And I have a whole bunch of blog posts that I think could be good. And I have I'm sure you could get three. You could even shoot for 5,000. I mean, it just depends on how quickly you're going to release this thing. You've, told, yeah. you, you've now, as far as I've seen, you've told a few people that you're going to be getting something out within a week, right? No, with the end of, by the end of the month, which is a little about two weeks. Okay, so I'm two gonna, weeks. But that's going to be uh, a private beta with just maybe like a dozen people who right. are really, really itching to get in and are, and are not going to have a problem with the fact that it's going to be a rough ride. Um, and that's just going to be tonight. And then I'll and then I'll expand out from there. But so that means that, right, I need to get. I'd like to get at least uh, three or four more big posts out before I, I widen that beta at all. You can and, do that. I think I can. I think I was thinking it's like cluster bombing Hacker News. <laughs> you know, like said like three or four in like a week that are all like huge. And people are like, who the hell is this Codus Operandi guy? Well, we've got the existence proof now. I mean, at, at the end of the day, now, like the sky's the limit at this stage. I mean, we, we know what can be done. And the thing is, now there's 30,000 people who know Codus Operandi, right? And they're, they're, I don't think they're going to forget that story. So when you come up again, they're going to know, oh, yeah, that's the guy. That's the, that's the Google guy, right? What's really funny is, is that you, and this is a lesson for everyone, right? You have capitalized failure so well, right? Like there's, there's a quite a few different things that you've kind of not quite made it. And it, all, all of those things add up to something really, really interesting. Like, so, because for example, your first, your first startup, right? And, um, the one that you did with, um, Phil. Okay. So yes. as you told that story, it's like, well, we almost, we almost kind of hit the ball out of the park. We didn't quite get there. And then the second one where, um, with, uh, Prezo, right. So you almost hit the ball out of the park, didn't quite get there. And then also signing that, signing that deal, which you got screwed over. That's another story, you know? So all, yeah. all this stuff adds up to being actually kind of interesting. So kind of failure is the new win. Well, you know what I think is that there's a certain amount of, um, when you get really close, you know, you do a lot of things right, and people understand that. It's like, you know, when you take a test and, you're, and you get a lot of partial credit, even though you don't get quite the right answer? Yeah. <laughs> the, the teacher say, oh, you know, you get two-thirds credit for that because you didn't quite, the, you know, the math problem, you didn't get the solution, but your thinking was right, you were almost there. And I've gotten a lot of, I think I'm getting partial credit from the readers. And I think one other thing is, a couple other things about it. One, people um, seem to really appreciate candor. Yeah, I've I've discovered. I mean, that's my that's how I am naturally, and you know to understand that actually translate to translates to I think the podcast and it translates to writing. So if I'm just myself and I say, look, this is what I did. This is what I think I did right. This is what I think I did wrong. And I go into actual details. um, People appreciate that. They're like, hey, you're willing to share that with us. That's you know that's really cool. And and I and so so what was interesting is that people the comments were incredibly positive. 
I mean, I think I got like one or two only semi-negative of like 150 or 160 comments on Hacker News and on my blog, um, which is amazing, actually, because you feel like there's always at least going to be like 10 or 20 percent of the people that are really bust your balls, go, you're an idiot. Yeah, well, I definitely got that with the uh, tweet, uh, Twitter in five minutes a day post. I mean, there was I got that 20 percent of extremely negative comments. Yeah. Yeah. So you expect that. But I think when you when you're really uh, can't you, you, you're really honest about what happened and you go into detail, you're willing to to share things. You're not just kind of talking in generalities um, where people can roll their eyes and go, okay, yeah, whatever. But when you actually tell the stories that happens, people sort of feel like they know you a little better and that you're a human being. And they're like, oh, okay, that's, you know, that's interesting. And uh, other thing is people, I think this is obvious, but people really like stories. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're more yeah. fun to listen to than just, here are 10 things I'm going to tell you about how to do X. I mean, sometimes you, people like to read those because they're useful, but they're not as interesting or fun to read. And thirdly, um, when I write these stories, like almost all of my posts have been sort of stories, people get to know you. And so people are starting to get to, at least the people who are reading are starting to get to know who I am. So they're thinking, okay, this guy's a human being. He's a person. I get a sense of who he is, as opposed to just a list of ideas that I disagree with. And therefore I'm going to, I hate him because I, I hate people who have those kind of ideas. You know? So Yeah, no, agreed. I mean, so, something else that's worth mentioning is, you know, time investment. Right, so we, we've we've been speaking about over the I guess the last ten shows or whatever. Is it worth the time? This is a big question we had one show. Is it worth the time investment of writing a blog? Right, and I can tell you, eight hours time investment to get uh, you know twelve hundred signups for my new beta product that's probably going to convert to like ten percent sales and bring me in about I don't know anywhere between two and five thousand a month. Yeah, I think that eight hours is pretty uh, worth the effort. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely it's worth the effort. And you know what's interesting is, um, you know, it's something we've talked about, the Lux Surface area. Um, by writing these type of posts and getting a lot of people to be, making a lot of people aware of who you are and what your skills are and what you're trying to do and what you want to do, all of a sudden opportunities occur. Like I've gotten, I've received at least, just from this blog post alone, a half dozen uh, emails asking me about getting involved in various other ventures. Yeah. Um, and you know, a lot of them are, you know, might be interesting. I, I, and I probably don't have time for much of anything else, um, right now, but those are, that's, would you, that was it lucky. It's sort of lucky, but the luck happened because I made more people aware of, of, you know, who I am right now. If I just, I mean, you could be an unbelievably brilliant, productive person but if you don't tell anyone about what you're doing you know it's going to contact you out of the blue and say hey man we'd like to work with you or hire you or invest in you or, or whatever right because they don't even know you exist so you got to spend some time um getting yourself out there and and increasing your luck surface area and, and and part of it is doing working on cold projects because you can be a smart person but if you don't do anything to demonstrate that and all you can do is write in a resume a series of acronyms of technologies that you're aware of or you've used you know that doesn't go very long a very long way so if you actually go and build stuff whether it's an open source stuff or um or actually commercial software or whatever and then you actually blog about it and tell people about what you're doing it's amazing because I'm just getting started doing this and it's yeah. already starting to snowball. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you're, I mean, I wouldn't say you're just getting started. I mean, I would say that what we've done and what we've been doing and what we've been talking about for, I guess, a year and a half is kind of consistently on your mind and kind of soaking in through osmosis, all the people we've interviewed. So it's like, it, it's, I think it's been this long process of, of getting here. I mean, we've, we have seriously, I mean, 
just think about how many times you've said, oh man, I gotta get, I gotta blog, I gotta get off my butt and do that. Like that's been said so much, right? And now, yeah. now we're kind of here. We've, we've kind of been working up to this point. And actually it's, it's similar for me about um, Plugio and about wh- how I move forward with Plugio. I mean, I have been saying for show after show after show, God, I'm so bored of Plugio. I don't care about Plugio. I don't want to look at it. But, you know, some, like I, I just really, and Bams, Bams, who's one of our regular listeners, is pretty pissed off with me going on about how bored I am of Plugio. And he's like, look, dude, just market it already. You can, you've already got what you need to make a good, yeah, a good income, make make money, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just kind of like in denial about Bam's advice and anyone else who says stuff like that to me. But I think that this week, um, basically seeing you kind of get your ass into action and uh, I, I think that this week I've really kind of gone, yeah, you know what, I, I can do this. I can market this and it's going to be my next problem. My next problem isn't going to be making making software. Like I've I've done that. I've got I've got this proven software. I've got this revenue. My next problem is, okay, look, I'm going to get my head around this marketing stuff. I'm going to make this thing to make money and I'm going to scale this thing. So I basically set up some uh, phone calls and interviews with customers. And this week, uh, last couple of days, I've been calling those customers. These, these are That's people great. who are actually paying for it. Great. And all of a sudden, I, I, can't, I cannot believe what an opportunity I've been missing. It's just, I just feel so stupid right now, right? Like I'm speaking to a customer uh, yesterday who basically is a senior recruitment guy for, for SAP software, right? Right. And he's telling me how his job would be impossible without Plugio. Jeez. Right? <laughs> he's telling me how absolutely awesome it is as a tool and just all, all these different things, these, these different ways that he's using it that I, I just really hadn't thought of it, right? Right. And I mean, so basically I'm, I'm, ta- I'm taking this information that I'm getting from the customers and then I'm basically going to convert it into a completely different sales website. So I'm working on the whole marketing website, that whole side of things. So, well, which is what you know we've we've talked a fair amount about, and I remember um, we we've talked about this. We went into fair amount of detail about this idea with uh, Jessica Ma from um, Indonero. Yeah, the idea of customer development, how she literally drove to the offices of a few dozen of her customers and spent an hour or more sitting with them, watching them use the product, asking them about the product, what they wanted, what they didn't like, you know, et cetera. And she said she was on the phone for an hour or two with another hundred or more additional uh, customers. Yeah. So she really got a good understanding of where the product was falling down and where it needed to go and what she needed to work on. And, you know, that's called customer development. Get, you know, and Steve Blank talks about that in Four Steps of Epiphany, I think. Um, but he also talks about generally on his blog, which is get out of the office. Get your butt up and go do something. I mean, part of getting up out of the office means quit writing code and write some blog posts and, and, and you know, do some podcasts or whatever. But you also need to maybe physically get out and go meet people personally. Okay, so, so think about this. Like the last, time I did, the last time I did any kind of code that was enhancing features was about six months ago. So this okay. thing's been running for six months with all these customers using it without any kind of upgraded development. And, and no marketing either. And, really. and no marketing. And there's people like senior recruitment guy in SAP thinking this is the best tool on the internet. I was like, wow. And I was like, well, what about, what about Hootsuite? Why don't you use Hootsuite? Because my, my thought was always, well, look, how can I 
you know, little old me compete with Hootsuite who have millions of funding and a huge team, et cetera, et cetera. And I'd always thought, well, Hootsuite, you know, it's it does the whole multiple tweet stream thing. It's got all this different stuff, et cetera, et cetera. I said, well, what, you know, how do you think Plugio compares to Hootsuite? And this is the same answer I got from from all of the customers I've spoken to so far. I don't like Hootsuite. It's too complicated. There's too much information going on with Plugio because it's simple, because I can only see one stream at a time. I can just focus in on exactly what I need to. And it's just so simple. I didn't need to read any documentation how to do it. With Hootsuite, I'm always like confused. I'm like... Yeah. <laughs> well, exactly. You know, okay, here's a couple things about this, right? You know, as we discovered, in, in, you know, we've discovered this in talking to a few of our, our interview guests, which is that you can compete. Right? There's not a winner take all. It's not like, you know, someone writes some software and therefore they patent the whole category and you're patent infringing by competing with them. It's ridiculous that there are always opportunities for competitors. And, um, you know, there, with as many different people on the web, there are going to be many different perspectives on what their opinion is of certain uh, offerings, certain types of software, right? So, for instance, they, there was, I think Steve Yeager had written a post once, which was a really funny one. He was talking about how the most liked posts on Reddit get at most 66 upvotes, which means like a third of the, of the people who look at anything are not going to like it and are going to want something else. Yeah. So even if something is a dominant um, player in a category, you figure it might have at most two thirds of the people really like it, and a third of the people will be looking for something else. Yeah. And Samuel Clay, who's working on Newsblur, who we interviewed a couple of shows ago, which is an, an artificially intelligent enhanced newsreader, he's like, Yeah, I'll compete against um, you know, Google Reader because he does, first of all, he doesn't have to educate people on what the product is. They already know by Google Reader, but a lot of people don't like Google Reader for a variety of reasons. And he's like, Fine. So, so the other thing that, that I've got to, the other kind of milestone that I've got to through doing this this kind of customer survey and talk to customers in depth is I have been able to extract what the actual benefits are versus what I think the benefits are of this yeah. software. And so right. now I can write copy for the, for the homepage. And basically through talking to these customers, I'll, I'll just list off the benefits that I've got through the conversation so far. Yeah. Um, so customers think that the Plugio basically saves them a huge amount of time compared to any other product because of the way that the scheduling system is set up. It's just a better way, right? Right. Which is, you know, a massive deal, right? They think that it's the easiest Twitter for business software they've ever used. Um, basically, they've, they've, in all cases, they say that they've been able to have the impact of an entire marketing team just as one person. Wow. Whereas these other, other software, they're all about actually having entire marketing teams manage Twitter campaigns. Right. So yours, yours gives them great leverage. Exactly. Right. Saves them a lot of time. It gives them more power. It's, it's, like, it's like a machine gun. <laughs> it's like a power tool. Right? <laughs> I don't I know mean, if it, like, like a machine gun sounds bad, but anyway. I think it's good. I mean, everybody's just got these little like... Pew pew, little pea shooters. You know, like I'm gonna bring out, I'm gonna bring out a like this giant, you know, machine gun. <laughs> okay, you know? so I'll just go, I'll just list through a few other ones, right? So just because it's it's interesting to me, like I hadn't really thought of it this way. Another one is that they're sick of large dashboard apps with just massive information overload, right? And this yeah. and Plugio just fixes that. And actually, I was gonna go down that other route, but I just it was just so much work and effort, I didn't bother. <laughs> but right. um, another thing is that they want to have a twenty four hour twitter presence but they also want to get other work done so they don't want to be on the same as me that's the reason why i use it i mean that's that is basically the reason why i use it and why i made it because i want to be able to do tweets all day without spending all day on twitter mm -hmm, right and, um just i guess the other they like the fact that they can get metrics about the links and the fact that they can grow their grow their uh 
user base with the kind of targeted friend finding thing, the frenemy system. Right. Well, see, those are great. Those are also like great features. And you're right. If you talk to the more and more customers that you talk to, the more insight you're even to get into those, the specifics of those benefits. Mm-hmm. And you also get a more, um, you have more, there'll be more statistical significance for your sample. Cause you could talk to two or three customers and it might be very valid for them, but you need to get talked to, you know, 20 or 30. Yeah. No, you're right. And yeah. you'll, you'll really get a, a you know, and then you might be able to break them into segments. Like, okay. There's look like there's two or three clusters here. Cluster A likes it for these reasons, cluster B for these other reasons, and cluster C for some combination, right? And then you can build the tool with those things in mind. And of course, then you can understand, once you understand your demographics, you can target your marketing better, which is what we learned from Ilya Lichtenstein, who we interviewed last week, which was an awesome interview because he really goes into that stuff, which is a big deal. Um, Something, I can't remember which show, I can't remember whether it was in a private conversation or whether it was one of our recent shows. You mentioned the Fortune 5 million. Yeah, no, that was a term. Now, I, I, that isn't a term I invented. That was uh, David Hennemeyer Hansen, uh, the guy right. who created Rails and 37 Signals. He, he did a talk. Um, I can't remember what was the title. It was, it was, the soft, it was uh, Software School 2008 or something like that, yeah. Startup School 2008. And he gave this talk, and he talked about the, you know, he, was like, I, he kept saying, he was like, I don't understand why everybody's going after trying to be the next, next Facebook. It's a, kind of a lottery win where you can, if you're a competent developer and you think intelligently about building a product that people are going to pay for, um, he said, you know, go for the Fortune 5 million, go for the 5 million small businesses that actually are willing to spend money on products as opposed to customers who, consumers who don't want to pay for anything. And the reason they're willing to pay for it is because it saves them real time that they would be making more money or allows them to make more money. And therefore, it's just mm-hmm. a, a smart expense and it's just a cost of doing business. Well, you know the um, the whole social proof thing that you see on a lot of these these websites. You'll see, um, right. like, you'll go there and they'll have pictures of like Coke or, or or Nike or whatever on the front page. I was thinking of, I mean, I wanted to run this idea past you. What do you think of if, if my social proof, rather than having those big icons, I just have uh, like unknown people's icons, but the but the customers, and basically have a tagline of "You won't find Disney or McDonald's here." Plugio is built for the Fortune five million. <laughs> Okay. Well, first of all, it doesn't matter what I think. You need to test. And we've talked a lot about <laughs> right. what we talked about. With, we talked about that in depth with Ilya last week. Yeah. And I think what you need to do is come up with a variety of different ideas. And then you need to A-B test them or, do, or use the multivariate testing with any of these testing tools like Mixpanel or Optimizely. Or- you sent me some links for that. And the one that was really good was the visual website optimizer. Like yeah. That's just awesome. And um so basically what this, did you have a detail? I mean, can I explain it or do you want to go explain ahead. it? No, yeah. Go ahead. No. Okay. Cause I've, I've used it and tested it out and, and it really is awesome. So it's, it's visualwebsiteoptimizer.com. It's a pretty long name, but it is very, very awesome. And essentially what you do basically is you put like, well, what I, what I did was I, I put a piece of their JavaScript code on, on my blog, just on one page. So in the header, so every single page that it's going to pull in their JavaScript, the same as you would with Google Analytics, right? So then I can go into their interface. And what it lets me do is it lets me pull up my site in their interface. And then I've got like a WYSIWYG drag and drop interface where I can edit my site and create multivariant A-B tests, change words around, you know, change the background colors, et cetera, et cetera. I can save that, run the test, and it changes my website. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's pretty cool. <laughs> like it changes. I'm on their website editing my website and their, the JavaScript they've got on my website changes my website and runs the tests and does, yeah, it is awesome. And it does really accurate, very, very easy to read 
A-B testing metrics about what's going on on each page. And I, like that was an awesome link that you sent me, and it's very good. Yeah, so uh, you and I both needed to really dive into the, uh, the, the optimization testing world because this is your first real step in that direction. Mm-hmm. And so a couple of things I want to say about it. Um, one is, um, you know, I've been emailing back with Lance Jones, who's a, who's a, um, a listener. He does a, a page99test.com, which is his um, little startup. And he, he, did, he wrote an article about the Lux surface area, so he kind of, which kind of forced me to finally get off my butt and write an article about it. Right. Because <laughs> he mentioned hearing his it on the show. His article kind of trumped Jules, though, didn't it? No, no, not at all. He he was talking about his own experience, kind of a story. But he said, you know, based on hearing about the Lux Service area, he talked about he, he mentioned our, our our show, right, and me. Okay. And so it was just sort of like, okay, now I need to write the definitive post about what I mean by the Lux Service area. So it was fine. It didn't. didn't did you? Did you? Uh, have you? Have you released that yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It was. It didn't take off. I only got like ten or twelve points. I mean, it, right, it just. Right. It, you know, it wasn't that interesting, I guess. And I think a lot of people seem to like the term, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I didn't do as good of a job. Did you tell it as a story or did you, were you just more of a kind of didn't No, I just, I just wrote it. So yeah, just sort of as an exposition, like this is what it is. And that's why I think it's, yeah, I didn't do as good of a job. I, I'm going to stick to stories more because I think I can do a better job with those. And I think I, th- and make them more interesting. But what I want to say is so, and I'm just going to go ahead and say this now, because I, I, I sent Lance, uh, we, we, he, I guess he sent me an email because he saw the po- the recent post that went up to Hacker News, and he was like, "Wow, that's pretty cool." And and I, and he's talked about potentially coming on the show because he is a he. That's what he does is for his job is um, testing, like A/B testing. Yeah, into it. And I said, "Listen, you know what would be really cool?" I said, "You know, we've done a lot of you know startup marketing stuff." I said, "So I wouldn't mind doing it. We might push that down the road a, a month or so because we need to do some more tech interviews." I think. Yeah. But when we do, I said, "Here's what I think we would like." I would like an expert that would go and review like seven or eight of these um, analytics tools that some of that I mentioned, uh, like Mixpanel, Optimizely, Visual Website Optimizer, and do and come on. We'll, we'll spend the first part of the show talking about your background and your expertise, and then I want to do like consumer consumer report style. Let's talk about the pros and cons of all these things, what they do, which ones are better for which things. That's a great idea. And, and I said, then you can take that material if you want, and then go write a series of blog posts and call it. I think I came up with a good title called Shoot Out at the AB Corral, Testing the <laughs> Testing Tools. <laughs> nice, and, uh, nice. Yeah, I think that would work. And so I haven't re- he hasn't responded to that, but now that I've uh, put it on the podcast, I think he's going to have to do it. Yeah, he's going to have to do it. <laughs> he's got no choice. <laughs> That's the way to str- strong arm someone into doing something. Nice. <laughs> That's right. But I think it'll work for him and it'll work for us. I think he can get a lot of juice on that. Uh, and I think it would be a great show for us because we just kind of, you know, we've heard about, we, we talked to David Cancel Performable, which is a higher end one, but then there's the other ones that are, you know, a little less expensive and might be good for, you know, uh, more nascent startups to start experimenting with and, and whatever. So anyway, and I want that, I want to hear, I want to know, I'm like, well, what, what's the difference between all these optimization tools? I, I don't understand. What do they do? What do, what do they all do and not do? And et cetera. Okay. So, so let, let me just bring, bring up the next topic. So guys, if you, no, if, no, 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 I got a whole no, variety. Of things I've got to bring the next one up. Right. So listen, guys, if you weren't already sick enough of Jason's success with the blog post and how successful, how many people he got signed up to his, his website, this is going to make you really sick. He, he also did a fantastic talk in front of about 100 Ruby guys this week, which I went to, and it was just very, very good. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs> well, okay. So, um, and this is a Lux Surface Area incident. So when I wrote the bootstrapping article a month ago, I got an email from Giles. Uh, I think it's Beckett is his uh, name. I'll put his link on his um, 
on the uh, site and the notes. But Giles emailed me and said, hey, you know, we'd love to ha- invite you to s- give a talk based on entrepreneurship and bootstrapping. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll, I'll do it. <laughs> and so, you know, it, well, it was just a, whatever, Thursday night or something. Mm-hmm. And I asked you, I said, if you wanted to come along and your, your game. But it was funny because then you emailed me like an hour before, two hours before. You're like, oh, my, I'm, so, I'm so wigged out on ibuprofen. I don't think I can drive. <laughs> Dude, I, I have to. I have such a massive. I've got a, a piece of metal stuck in my tooth that the that when I got my root canal, the guy broke the file and it's still stuck in my tooth. And I'm on like I don't know about twenty four ibuprofen pills a day. I'm like dizzy half the day. <laughs> I've never heard anyone. I don't think anyone in the in the history of the planet says I am so hopped up on ibuprofen I can't drive. Okay. Like, what? <laughs> I don't Is that even know. possible? I don't know whether it's ibuprofen. <laughs> okay, maybe it isn't, but whatever. So, I, I was like, just, I just really didn't feel like driving. But apart from the fact that w- what's even more stupid is it's only about a minute, a minute's drive away. <laughs> I know it's ridiculous. So, well, and and well, I was thanks, Jason. From, anyway, go on. What? So uh, yeah. So, and I convinced you. I said I think you should come. I think you're in regret if you don't come. You're like, why? Well, I said, I like, I don't know. I just have a feeling you're in regret it. You did. We need to go to these things. So, and then um. <laughs> And you, luckily you agreed and, but we had to pick you up. And, and when I say we, Pat Maddox, who I also, who also contacted me <laughs> because of that first post <laughs> who lives down the street, we grab lunch now once a week. He's a, he's a Ruby guy, does, he's done, he's pretty big in the Ruby community, does a lot of, a lot of conferences and stuff. And so we carpooled over, picked you up and went to the, sh- and went to it. And what was interesting about it, it's like, I was so busy with work consulting and this blog post going super critical, uh, you know, on Wednesday and Thursday that I didn't have a lot of time to prepare for the talk. And so I didn't create any slides and I just wrote up a bunch of notes about, you know, bootstrapping and startup. Which you completely ignored. You just, I mean, of course, Jason just gets up there, starts speaking, throws away anything he's prepared and basically just goes, ah, whatever. And just tells, tells his, (laughs) his story about how he, how he screwed up the Google acquisition. He, you know, he continued that one, how he'd signed a bad deal where he got screwed over. And uh, to be honest, the the audience absolutely loved it. Like they really edited up. And I think that I think that Jason's basically a natural at that kind of uh, talking. I think you should you should think about that. That was very very well done. Well, thanks. What was really funny is I as I kind of I remember asking you a day or two before the conference if you would come and maybe even consider videotaping. And you're like, look, man, you're going to be so bad if you haven't done this before. You don't want to videotape it. Trust me. I'm like, okay, maybe you're right. I probably will suck. So um, you're like, just don't worry about taping it. <laughs> and so you actually made me a little nervous. I was like, man, am I going to suck that bad? <laughs> well, because you sucked at the podcast for a year. <laughs> yeah, well, thanks. <laughs> so no, I'm just kidding. I thought... Um, you know, and it's funny because I had those notes and I was kind of reading through them right before uh, I was supposed to, to get on because there was two presentations before me, right? And and I was looking, I'm like, God, these notes are boring. I'm like, this is boring me. I can't even talk about this. Well, I t- I'll tell you what it felt like. It felt a lot, and I, and I kind of t- added two, two plus two uh, afterwards. What it felt like is that, you know, being a member of that audience, it felt like I was like part of a football team and you were the coach. And so I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, Jason's been working with that football team and he's like been the captain of that football team. And basically he's just just doing that football team speech right now. And that's why it's working. And I think that you've leveraged that very effectively. Huh. That's interesting. I didn't really think about that. Well, I, I kind of just talked about, um, you know, I basically just told a few stories, a couple stories, you know, how, how I got in, you know, to doing startups and Prezo and talked a little bit about bootstrapping with kids. And it was fun. And, and it was, what was great is that a number of things that I didn't mean to be funny, you know, 
made everybody laugh. So people seem to be <laughs> amused by a number of things in there. Like there's one, there's one we're driving back and Pat goes, yeah, there's that one line. He goes, will you say, yeah, you know, when I was talking about like how you have to divide and conquer, you know, yeah. he's like, yeah, go on, you know, go on to the grocery store with your wife is cute and all, but it just doesn't scale. <laughs> yeah, no, that was awesome. Like, <laughs> For some reason, everybody loved that, which was like, I didn't, you know, it wasn't like a line. Because well, you're I, mixing up and, you know, you're mixing up like humor about women with a, a technical term. Right, right. So <laughs> I have to tell you, though, it was a blast talking. I would so love did you get a chance to look? Because I, I, in the end, I did I, just for your uh, just for your reference. I basically videoed it on on my iPhone. It's nothing that we could publish, but I just wanted to sh to get it for your own reference, so you could use it to maybe uh, do a critique of of your performance. Did you get a chance to look at it? I looked. I watched it for about two minutes, and it's like watching the Blair Witch Project, where it's like moving around so much that's giving me a headache. You know, because you were holding it in your hand as opposed to being like well, a that was only that was only the first two minutes. Because then I found something to uh, study it with. But. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, then I'll, I'll, I'll watch it a little bit later. Um, but uh, and, and get a sense. I, but I, I got a sense of it. It, it's. I guess it looked. The only how. thing was you do the only the only. I, I guess the the main thing you need to focus on just a little bit of kind of advice or criticism, is uh, just projecting your voice to the back of the room. That's all. But when right. you don't, when yeah, you don't have a mic, right? When you when you're just like that without a mic, you do need to speak a bit louder and project a bit further. Yeah, 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 that's right. Well, anyway, it was it was a blast. I had a great time. So, hope I get some opportunities in the future to, um, you know, to do to talk at some conferences. I I really really had so fun. So, what, what what did you get? I mean, in in terms of that, did you get any kind of benefits out of it, or what? What would you say? What was really cool is a bunch of people came up to me afterwards and were really excited to hear a little bit more. Yeah, <laughs> some questions. That was kind of neat, and uh, a few. Uh, one guy who's doing a screencasting startup um where he's gonna have technical people or things that are technical rated do do screencasts and you actually sell them mm -hmm. and then the the author of the screencast gets paid and he gets a percentage of the take and, and you know the, the, the lion's share of the take and then the site gets a share and he said he wants me to be one of the first five and wants to talk about wants me to talk about startups and bootstrapping i'm like right that sounds cool oh nice that's a great <laughs> sure. idea yeah, so I'm going to talk to him, um, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that on the show once I know more about it. And then another guy who, he said he, um, he Michael Hartle, who, he said he, I think he said he went through the Y Combinator program, right. and he actually knew the Zenter guys, and we talked a little bit, and we're going to grab lunch next week, because he actually lives like four blocks down the street. So, uh, so when we went into the, the, this kind of meeting, the first, it's, it's in a, like a, a company's office, and it's like a huge kind of office block. Where they have AT &T. These... It was AT&T Interactive in Glendale. Right. So we, we first went in and there was, I don't know, about 15 Ruby guys and myself and Jason. And we all got in the lift together. And I just felt like, oh, man, being a hardcore PHP developer and basically not being a Ruby developer, I just felt like I was in the lion's den. <laughs> it was just so strange. It was really like going behind enemy lines. But what's interesting is that... Um, is that, of course, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of partially joking about that as well. But what's interesting is that the Ruby, the, that, that Ruby crowd, they're so kind of trendy, right? They're just so trendy and kind of hipster and LA and almost actorish. Would you, do you know what I'm saying? Well, they were a little cooler than your average coder. Yeah. You're saying? It was, it was like you're in the kind of, you know, you, you were in the trendy section. Right, the trendy well, you know, section. Ruby is more cutting edge. I mean, than than older languages. The newer languages are going to attract people who are a little more cutting edge technically, and they're also going to be a little more. Some of those people are going to be more cutting edge, sort of, and I don't know, uh, 
maybe the way they dress and talk. What's well, it's funny that you think of yourself as, I guess I don't, I'm not a PHP guy. I, I do like five, six different languages. So I don't really think of myself as in one camp or another. I mean, I haven't used Ruby, but I don't, I don't I'm not consider myself like I'm in this other camp. It's just like, hey, you know, I do C++ and I do JavaScript and I do .NET and I do this and I do that, whatever. Yep, I've got that too. But but at the end of the day, like... You're a I, PHP guy. Though. No, I, I, I mean... What else do you do besides PHP and JavaScript? Nothing. I mean, the other the other thing is, I mean, I have I have done quite a lot of Ruby programming. I mean, I guess the point is, is that my bread and butter is through PHP. So that's yeah. kind of what makes me kind of align myself with the PHP yeah. tangent, as it were. Well, I, anyway, I thought a really nice. There were a lot of really nice people there. A lot of it was really cool. Um, I really enjoyed it. I, one thing I want to say, the one observation I made, which was interesting, it's about you. So we get in there, and uh, one of the guys is talking about um, a program that their company has made, which is kind of like a. It's not really a brainstorming tool. It's sort of related. It's an information. It's a collaboration tool. Okay, it's called Kanban Pad, right? All right. And 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 I and. Uh, I can't remember. I said, yeah. I said, um, Justin, you're working on something kind of like this, right? And you're like, well, not anymore. Like, well, that was just, just because a, I was just, just joking. Yeah, no, you sounded like literally like it had put you off by like, literally that that you were there was some part of you that was uh, wanting to not do it because somebody else was doing it. So, and, and in fact, it turns out they weren't even doing it. They're doing something completely different. And no, I'm just, no, 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 no. I was just joking. I was just uh, okay because I was like, "What are you doing?" Like, so anyway, I was. It just reminded me a little bit of Plugio and Tweetminer. It's like you didn't want to compete. Like you, you were kind of giving up because you did. It's like you want to build cool stuff, but you really don't want to compete. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, Mia culpa. I mean, I, I think I probably do feel a little bit that way. Um, yeah, no, you do. Your personality is like you don't want to compete. When someone wants to compete with you, you just like retreat. Like, I don't want to fight, you know. Like, I want to build <clears throat> cool stuff, and I hope I get people to want to use it, but I don't want to compete. Like, you don't want to fight. And I think what you need to do is try and cultivate it a little bit and say, all right, you know, you want a piece of me? <laughs> Go after them. You know, who wants some of this? I'm going to be, I'm going to beat the crap out of your, you know, mine's yeah, going to be better. Yeah, but not everyone, you know, will, and, not, I mean, the thing is, like, uh, I, it may also be a cultural thing. I mean, like, as an, like, the impressions that we get from from Americans is that it's all about you know competition and competing and you got to be a winner you got to be a winner and it's not quite the same in the UK so um, I don't know well you're not in Kansas anymore right, right. <laughs> and that's why there's not a whole lot of entrepreneurship coming out of a UK relative to the US and I think what you need and I think what you need to do if you want to compete then you need to compete I mean if you're going to do us if you're going to create a startup you are competing by definition you're you're creating a company there will be competitors so you have to embrace the fact that you're going to compete and you have to get yourself psyched up to compete and you know and there's a lot of different styles of competing you have a lot of different like you can you can compete in different with different personalities. You don't have to be this very aggressive kind of um, you know it's it's mono mono kind of thing like I was just doing there just to be funny. But you know I think you really need to like to embrace it and not shy away from it. I mean to know that competition is coming, but know that allow that to make you to psych you it's up. It's really funny because um, you more it, it reminds me of the band. Um, I, I remember when when we first started in the band. And we were with other bands and my band member, Doug, who's the drummer, he was just really like, you know, we're going to, we're going to beat those guys. We're going to beat those guys. And he really had that competitive instinct and he would like down talk them and trash talk them and all that. And I was just always like, God, what, like, dude, why, why do you want to trash talk them? I mean, they're just, they're just people. What, I mean, what's the big deal? And it's probably, you're probably right. I mean, maybe that aspect of me has kind of 
held me back and stopped me from kind of going absolutely in. absolutely i think so i think it helped your plug you 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 folded as soon as you saw some competition that had some funding you folded well, no, and that's not, that's as, not as true, as because... Uh, you absolutely did. You folded on Plugio. No, no, you totally I, folded. No, you're absolutely right that I folded on Plugio, but you're absolutely wrong that I folded because I saw competition. Um, I mean, I basically completed Plugio well after well after Hootsuite was there. I saw that Hootsuite was there, and I saw how much money they had, um, and I still work with all the customers of Plugio to get it to be a completely rounded and feature-rich tool. It was. I, I just basically... I didn't fold and stop building it and stop trying to get it out there. You know, the time that I folded is when I I put all the effort in to do what I thought was good marketing, and I I was trying to understand well why isn't it taking off? How come I've just got? Because what happened was I, I launched it, I built it, and then I got this first thousand people, and then I got a thousand revenue, and I worked on it for like six months trying to get it beyond that, doing the best that I knew how and you can you can listen back okay. over the last 90 episodes to see <laughs> okay all right right all right well okay okay but here's another right. example right we started a blog competition and i hit a few that went big and you were like ah well you win right i can't compete which was the most ridiculous thing to say because i'd written like two or three blog posts at that time and you're like well you have these stories and i'm like we all have stories and most most successful blogs don't write about stories, don't tell stories. That just happens to be a style that, that I'm using at this point. And I just wonder why you uh, give up if you fall behind. Well, may, I mean, maybe I just gate. don't want to be... I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't know how to answer that. I mean, like, we're, now... We're, I think you need to think about it. I think you need to, get to spend some time now thinking, we're wondering why you're... Now we're actually going into therapy session, right? We're, we're <laughs> well, you know, well, it's funny you mention that because... Um, Pete Michaud wrote an, an article like uh, about that, talking about, let's see what he said. Um, it was called um, How to Benefit from Your Flaws. And it was really interesting. He talks about how he how he, what his flaws were because he said you know, he was disfigured because of an accident when he was a kid. And because of that, he felt sort of you know, rejected. And he, so he's been searching for approval and he understands that weakness, but he's using it to his advantage. He's trying to harness it. And I'm just wondering well, so, so why. So how could I harness my, my lack of uh, the desire for competition? Well, I think what you want to do is, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to compete. I think what you probably want to do is, is just first of all, understand that, that that's something that you're probably doing at times, that you're shying away from competing because I think you're afraid of failing. And if you're afraid of failing, you're afraid of looking, you know, I think in your mind, if you fail, you look dumb or you look bad. Whereas in the U.S., it's like, all right, you lost this round, get up, do the next one, Right. You lost this game, get up and do the next one. Or they scored a goal, fine, now let's go score two on them. And I think you have to figure out some trick in your mind so that it's not so painful to lose or the thought of losing is so painful and that it is just one round and it's not a rejection or, uh, or some evaluation of you as a human being. It's just a one small thing. So it's like, I, I'm just wondering, I don't mean to go over the well, top. You, you've, that, put, you've put some stuff out and, and, yeah. and it hasn't been successful. And, um, you've, you know, we've, we've had kind of private chats and you felt really depressed about it. It's really hurt you for like a week like and you've what? done those things and, and you've just felt so shit about it. And I see that you've like picked yourself up and gone out again, but that feeling that bad isn't that isn't very nice to feel that way for a week. So why that's fine. Why put yourself in that position? Well, because if you don't want that's what that's what you know. Um, you know, it's like no balls, no blue chips, right? You're not going to succeed. You're not going to have anything other than very a mediocre existence if you're unwilling to risk losing. 
It means looking stupid, losing money, wasting time, but you have to try. And if you, and if you, and if you, and if you're, if you're afraid of trying, if you just sort of this half-ass effort, because if you fail, you're like, oh, well, you know, I wasn't really trying anyway, or, oh, it's not a big deal. You have to be able to give it your all and understand that some of those times you're just going to lose no matter how much work and how hard you put into it, how hard you tried. And I think, yeah, I mean, I have tried some things and have some things that not work out and that's fine, but I've had enough successes. I've had enough successes in my life to understand that in general, if I try and work hard, I will succeed. But, but you're kind of saying like there's, 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 there's a spectrum here, right? So one side of the spectrum is you won't take any risks. You won't try at all. And another side of the spectrum is you're just going to go all for, all for it and you're going to be completely competitive and be, I'm going to be a winner, I'm going to be a winner, right? But what about the middle of that spectrum? I mean, you can't, you can't objectively say, take a look at my life and say, I'm living a mediocre life and that I haven't tried and that I haven't taken no, any risks. No, but what you're doing, what you're doing, that's a, it's a whole spectrum, right? There's a the people who don't ever take risks. So, so you have to, like, you, you have to concede that I'm at least 50% uh, I'm not, down I'm that not, I'm not, yeah, all I'm saying is that what I think you're doing is I think when you are not doing as well as you could do at a number of things because of your fear of trying really hard and having things not work out like you want or expect them to. And in order to maybe, maybe I'm saying just to save your ego or, or, or save face or whatever, you kind of fold early. And what I'm saying is I think when Plugio was an example, our blog competition, which is sort of meaningless, but it's just another little thing. It's just like, you know, you'd be like, all right, Jason, nice. You got a couple good blog posts. All right. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to try and top it over the next week. And, and the reason that I said the blog post is important is because it's, it, it worked to get us both out there doing stuff. Right. And, and if you give up, you're going to lose that, that little extra spark that gets you to get up and, and, and work a couple hours on a blog post saying just when you're burnt out on doing it, it forces you to do it, right? Because I would not have written this stuff had you not sort of enticed me into doing a little bit of a blog competition. Well, I wouldn't because have, I know, I mean, because I basically manipulated you into doing better for yourself because I knew that that would do it, right? But sure. I, well, this, this conversation is interesting and, and I'm, glad that we're, I'm glad that we're having it. And um, I think the good thing about it is, is I think there's a lot of people out there who are in my position, right? There's not that many people out there who are in your position, um, so I think that this this can be a beneficial conversation. But I'm still I'm still kind of questioning whether what you're saying is 100% correct. Because what about what about people's comfort zones? I mean, why, you know, are you just saying, look, okay, fair enough. I see that you're like 50 50% down this scale. I can see that you've, you know, since we since I've known you, I mean, I've put a lot more out there than you have for a start, right? I've released three three things. Um, and, but you, are you kind of saying, look, you've done that, but you're not really going to become the success that you want to become until you move past this other thing. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think you have a block. I think you have a psychological block that is partially that, I mean, there's partially that you just excited by new problems, like all of us are, right? Right. Move on to new things. So that's always going to be a pull, but you rationalize giving into that, um, that, uh, enticement, um, because, you're like, I don't really want to fight. I don't really want to struggle. I don't want to like the chance of putting a little time in this thing and looking, maybe looking dumb or bad. I don't know what's going in your head that keeps you from doing it. But, you know, Bam's pointed out, more people pointed out, he's not the only one in the block, but like, why are you giving up on Plug You? What, what is going on? You built this cool thing. People like it. You know, make it happen. You know, make it happen. And I just think that, um, you know, that you're, there, there's, there's some reason that you're not doing that. And I just think you would probably have some more success at some of these things that you want to do. And because you're talking about, we had a conversation last week, you know, when you talked about how Georgie is a little frustrated with you spending time working on these 
projects and not consulting more, right? And it's because her expected value is very low. Her expected value on these on this time is zero. And the reason expected time is zero is because you keep giving up working on new stuff. But if you say, all right, you know, I'm going to make this stuff successful. And it doesn't mean like, I'm going to be the best. I'm going to be the win. You don't have to like, you're, you're giving it this weird sort of spin on it, right? Like you're some like freakish, you know, um, obsessed competitor. I mean, that's, that's sort of a character, uh, caricature. What you just have to do is just decide that if something is worth pursuing, go after it, make it happen. Don't give up. Don't give in to competition. If somebody steps up the plate and thinks that they can beat you, say, all right, they're challenging me. I'm going to prove that mine's, that, that mine can stand up. What I'm doing is good, that I can make it work. I'm glad that we had this conversation. I think it's very, I think it's very valuable. I think it's valuable for me, and I think it's valuable for a lot of other people who were kind of in in my position. And I think that it's the kind of classic thing that happens to to, to developers, right? Mm-hmm. They 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 build their product. It's it's just that kind of. It is. I mean, it, it's it's just a classic thing. It's like yeah. 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 And I have to say, you know, I I to some degree folded against Google. Well, exactly. Well, to I be did. honest, I, mean, I, I kind of feel the same thing about you. I mean, I think that there is a little part of this in you as well, because look, here's, here's the thing, right? You keep on building these things and spending two years building them rather than putting something out sooner rather than later, because you're kind of being a perfectionist. So you've kind of got the same kind of thing in a different kind of a way, right? Yeah. So I, I'm prepared to kind of stick my head above the water at first, like a, like a, I guess like a, I don't know, like a... What they call a, it when a, they chip a, on nothing? What, what are they? A, no, a I can, I'm prepared to do the submarine putting their periscope up, right? I'll look around and see what's going on. But you only want to do it when you've got the whole submarine ready to just get out the water, right? Absolutely. So, that, yeah, and, can, that, and that's, and that's, that's true. That's right. And, uh, and you're right about that. So I think and to, to turn it on me, which is that I have a lot of, I have, I have the perfectionist in me, right? And right. I have this thing where I want to blow people away, right? I want to just come out there and blow people away. But, and that's an ego thing, right? right? Yeah, but if, if you, you don't, no, if, but, if you don't blow them away, what, what are you going to do then? You're going to feel like a piece of crap and you've just wasted all that time. Yeah, no, so that, so that's something that I have to work. Now, the thing is I've been, you know, let's see, you know, I have been talking about it. So that's, that's helped ameliorate it a little bit, but you're right. Ultimately, you got to get it out there. Now, the one thing I will say is that App Ignite is a, is a big problem. It's not purely about that. I went after a big problem that you just, there's nothing to release earlier because it just doesn't do the problem yet. So, but yeah, I am a perfectionist and that's... Put it this way, it's a pattern, right? So it, it doesn't really matter whether App Ignite's a bit, what App Ignite was and it doesn't matter what Prusa was. The point is, is it's a pattern that happens for you in your life, right? You take a long time to put something out there and you're, you're too scared to put it out earlier rather than later because you don't want any hope of you looking like someone who's producing something average. Yeah, no, there's, so there's some part of that. Like, I, yeah, I, I, so, right. And that's something that I have to, and that is something that I have to constantly challenge in myself. Now writing, you know, but writing blog posts and uh, doing the podcast is one way of just getting something out there. The beauty of doing the podcast is that once it's done, it's done, right? You can't edit it forever. Well, we had the same, I mean, we, we did have the same thing with you with the blog, right? Because you, you didn't want to put the blog out there because it was something that you were going to code and you were going to do yourself. And then also the, the each blog post. So I guess that falls into the pattern too. No, yeah, it did. I mean, I, I kept, I couldn't decide what I wanted to name the blog. I couldn't find the domain I wanted. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I mean, yeah, I just kept procrastinating about it because, because when you're perfectionist, you, you procrastinate. And then when you procrastinate, you don't get anything but, done. But it's not, you're labeling the term perfectionist, right? But basically, 
so on the one hand, you're saying that I'm afraid. And then on the other hand, you're saying you're a perfectionist. But the truth is, is that you're afraid as well. <laughs> right. Perfectionist is about being afraid. It's yeah, the same I mean, thing. I guess so. I mean, you know, sure. I mean, I, 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 I guess I'm, uh, I guess there has to be perfectionism is based on a fear of, of people not, um, valuing what you're doing as much as you do. Right. Right. So sure. Right. I mean, that's, that's very part <laughs> hey, of it. How's it. Not too comfortable when the tables are turned, huh? <laughs> we have a breakthrough. <laughs> Time to move on. <laughs> okay. What you got for us next? Um, all right. Well, first of all, I think we need, we need to mention, um, uh, let's see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I get this right. Um, we were going to do a, 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 a little lock critique a while back for, um, minute box. Do you remember okay. that? Okay. Yep. Let's do it. You want to do that? Yep. Which is, which is an idea that you and I had come up with called, um, I think you, I think you came up with the idea. I came up with a domain name. The, the discussion that we were having was, I was telling you how, with my new job with Vibo, they, they had um, a cake installation and they also had Flex. And I really, I just, I just started this job and I really need to get up to speed on these two technologies. So I posted a tweet to find someone uh, for each of these technologies who could basically mentor me for an hour, right? So we'd do like a screen sharing session and then they'd, they'd go through and kind of give me that quick overview, like one-on-one -on -one about each of these products. And I thought that was awesome to be able to get in contact with people those way that way and it was just an awesome experience to be able to spend like one two hours with someone like that who just explained the product to you and you you know you just save yourself literally weeks of, of learning the, the basic infrastructure that way right so I, I said to you well wouldn't it be cool if there was that kind of a, a site that that you could find those kind of people the one thing that i'm going to say about this minute box is it is just looking at what they've done right and i, and I can understand why they're going for this that they're, they're trying to boil the ocean with this right? And they're just totally going for every, every kind of niche. They, you know, you can do that, but my, my gut feeling is unless they've got many millions of funding, it's going to be difficult for them to do that. I, I would break it up into smaller niches, just like, just go for a technical niche, just go for a secretarial niche and th those different kind of niches. Having it as this kind of completely broad niche where you can type in social media or you can type in tech is it to my way of thinking, probably a, a mistake. Okay. Um, no. What do you th so? What do you think they should do? So, would you? How do you know they're boiling the ocean? When would you I say know, that? I, especially I going for I know they're boiling the ocean because I, I get to minute box and it says find an expert to solve your problems in minutes, and um, you can type in social media, you can type in tax. So you could you could literally type in anything. You know, like how do I open a bottle of Advil? Right. I'm looking for an expert to, to find out how to, to how to open a bottle of Advil. <laughs> right. Okay. And and that, and the problem is is that it's very difficult. I, I guess they could they could lay out the site differently so that it guided you through different areas and different sections and different categories. But it's very difficult to, you know, w when you've got all of these different options and different possibilities, it's difficult to, for a site to stick. I, I only know that because I've, I've been involved in like two or three businesses that have, have had exactly this problem. Oh, trying to boil the ocean, like what you know, what you know and stuff? Yeah, basically, yeah. Like an, unless, unless you are somewhat vertical... It's difficult for a site to be... It's possible to grow a non-vertical site when you have millions of funding. Because you can... You, what you do is you use your millions of funding and you basically reach out to each of the verticals through internet marketing. So you then get people and then you set up on your site, you set special landing pages for each of those verticals. So if you were, if you were looking for a tech vertical and you, you wanted people to be involved in your system for tech, you'd spend like 500,000 just... Uh, doing internet marketing and getting tech people into Minutebox to that tech landing page and you build it up that way. 
right? Right. So that's kind of the way that, I mean, listen, I, feel free to tell me I'm wrong, but that's just what, what I've experienced so far. Yeah. Um, Does that make any sense? No, not at all. But Come uh, on. No, I'm just, yeah, no, no seriously. It, that, that does make sense. I mean, yeah, usually go after vertical if you can, um, if it's something that is, that you can do that. I think Minutebox is something you could, like they could just hit up like, say, something like the Ruby on Rails community, right? Like just hit and move sideways within coding. You know, I want a NoSQL expert. Like, you know, really reach out to everybody in NoSQL and own NoSQL, right? Reddit, it's much exactly DB, CouchDB, whatever, and then go into another. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe there's a way of doing that. While, like you said, of, of I, I don't know, but the, but the, I mean, it's like it's like Yelp, right? Like the way that Yelp start, like Yelp. If you listen to the story of Yelp, um, they didn't start by going okay yelp is this thing that you can review anywhere in america they started just focusing on san francisco right? right and they just completely focused on that on their local area it was easy for them to get involved with that segment and then by by doing that they just then scaled it by replicating what they found out what worked for them um in, in with one segment and then they just scaled it across all of the other segments and they just, then just moved to every other city in america city by city Right. right. So it's almost like with Minutebox, you want to do that. You want to pick a segment, and probably the best segment to do is the one who you who you already have a lot of connections with. So I'm guessing it's going to be the tech segment. I don't know. Right. Um, just focus on that segment, and then once they've worked out how to do that, then they just scale it. Just just yeah. kind of hop off to the next segment. Yeah, well, that makes sense to me. One thing I'll say is their site is really uh, well done. It's really pretty. They've yeah, done a nice totally. job with the design. It's really elegant. So um, you know, I, I think the idea can work. I, I think, but I think you make a good point about what their um, business development strategy should be. Maybe pick pick some pick a niche and expand out from the niche and go uh, from there. I mean, they could be following that. I mean, who knows? But maybe yeah. they need to do a better. Maybe um, that needs to be clear that they're that they're a tech thing to start, and there's some subset attack, and then go from there. But I like it. I mean, I, I like the idea. That's why you know we you and I talked about because I think it would work. Because I've done that before. It's like, man, I would pay someone a solid hourly rate if I could just have them come in and uh, I talk to them on the phone, on Skype or something, share a screen, and they walk me through something for two, three hours and save me a lot of time because they'll really get me up to speed quick. I think tech, I mean, I, I honestly think tech would be a good starting um, vertical because that that really, I mean, there's there's so many people like who, who would have the need that you and I just have. I mean, I'd use this thing all the time right? Yeah. <laughs> because there's so many times when you just want to focus in on one little problem, you know, like how do, how do I, how do I set up load balancing on, on EC2? Yeah. Right. And, and it's more than just sort of like a, a question that you can put on Stack Overflow. It's like, it's a series of questions. It's like, oh, there's a lot of, so you you need more comprehensive understanding of something yeah. and, you know, and you have a series of questions based on that. And you're like, yeah, I could post a question on Stack Overflow, do some work, come back, post another question, do some more work, read some stuff, search the internet, post another question. But sometimes you're like, look, I need to get this done in like three hours. <laughs> and I, you know, I'll spend, you know, 300 bucks or 400 bucks or whatever to have someone, you know, share a screen with me and just talk me through it. So yeah. the other thing is, like, looking at it from the other angle, right? If I, I mean, you, you and I are both consultants, mm -hmm. and I think we would be pretty happy to give someone half an hour of our time for, like, 50 bucks or, or for 100 bucks or whatever, mm -hmm. right? If I, if I had a little instant message client that popped up that said, you know, someone wants to get into EasySQL, they want to spend half an hour discussing EasySQL, or something that I was really specialist that I really knew about, um, I would be, you know, I'd be happy. I'd like, yeah, okay, cool. That little thing pings up. I can earn, I can earn an extra 50 bucks for like half an hour's work here. Sure. Plus it'd be a lot of fun. 
Yeah, it'd be fun. And it'd I'd be a great play. way to meet new people. I would enjoy that. I love. I like to. Uh, I like to talk to people. Obviously, I like to share what I know. I would find it fun. So yeah. Well, that was cool. Anyway, I thought it was worth giving them a shout out and, and congr- congratulating them on pushing forward on it. And I think it'd be useful. I mean, you know, maybe we'll do our own little any foo and just target one little tiny niche, just to see how that works. And, hey, so uh, so something I wanted to bring up was um, people have mentioned a number of times. And this is something that whenever we get onto the front page of Hacker News, whenever the podcast, the audio podcast itself gets into the front page of Hacker News, people are always like, oh my God, why do I have to listen to the podcast? Why can't you just get a transcript of it? Right. And, and we're like, well, it's, it costs money to transcribe this thing. And every show we do is like an hour and a half long. Anyway, so, so someone, someone else posted about it and I sent an email. So it's like, God, Jason, this is like, this just keeps coming up. Why don't we do an why don't we do like a another drive where people can sponsor a show? <laughs> right. So like like a baby, you can sponsor a show, right? And you can sponsor for a show of your choice to be transcribed. And well, then, you know, it's a, it's like it's it's not a sponsor show; it's adopt a show. Like oh adopt, yeah, adopt a show. It, you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. people like adopt a highway. You know, for, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, I used the wrong word there. Yeah, adopt a show. And I mean, do you think that's a good idea? Okay, here's the thing. I think about it. Um, one is okay if. I, generally speaking, I think it would be great to have transcripts because I think um, people would be able to go back and uh, and get at information more easily that they might have had a hard time. It's like, how do you search through audio? It's like, oh, I know Jason and Justin talked about something about a month or two ago, and I wish I could get it, but it's kind of hard to find it, mm-hmm. right? And if we had transcripts, you could get it. If all the information was there, you could you could really get to it because we talk about a lot of different tools, a lot of different techniques, a lot of different things that we've learned from our guests, all that kind of stuff. Um, okay, so the, that would be useful. The the downsides are okay. First of all, it's expensive, right? For an hour and a half transcript, what's yeah. it going to cost us? Seventy, eighty? I think yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's a lot of money per. Maybe a hundred. I don't. I don't know. So let's just save a hundred dollars. Does it cost us four hundred dollars? Uh, no, I was it cost eight hundred dollars a month. It's almost a thousand dollars a month just going to transcripts. So that means if we, if people were normally willing to raise to to donate to the show for anything that we think we needed, which was like, for instance, audio and, and redesigning the site, all that money, might, all that money might get sucked into just doing transcripts. And yeah. what I'm wondering is, are transcripts, do, are transcripts more important than getting a decent design for the script and improving the audio? I would say no at this point. So in one sense, I think it's a really good idea to have an adopt a show and have them actually, uh, if, if, if you adopt a show, then you, you know, would, here's the things I think about. One, it would be cool is you could, you could do the, um, you know, you pay for the transcript, but then maybe also we could put like a uh, a message from the uh, the parent. <laughs> right? Yeah, and a picture, like, and, a, and a picture, like a picture and a message from the parent. You know, <laughs> I've uh, adopted this show. Yeah, right. I mean, that would be kind of funny. You could have like a, a link to their website, uh, a little bit yeah. from them, up to like maybe you know 255 char- uh, characters or something. You know, but whatever. That would be kind of funny. But I'm just worried that it would suck away any of the additional donation money that we might need for other things. Yeah, so somehow we need to get in that that other five hundred before we start this uh, Doctor Show thing. That's right. So that that's my that's my concern. I, I'm thinking maybe we, you might have to wait a little longer because I'm not sure the I don't think the benefits of having transcripts outweigh the benefits of those other things at this point in time. I think that might be another step. But yeah, I mean, you talk about like oh, to give us this Google juice and stuff, but I don't know, you know, if you're paying you know thousands of dollars for transcripts and like really how much does that help in terms of Google? Is that going to make a return on your money? I mean, are we going to get that many more listeners? Yeah, but it does help those- in terms of the listener because for, let's say, for example, that listener, let's say, okay, Sam Howley, right? 
Let's say he he decides to do a transcript of a show that relates to his product, or he he could even do the transcript of the show that he was on. Hey, that's a good idea. Why don't we get the guests to pay to transcribe the show? Yeah, I'm sure they'll love that. Yeah, it's like, hey, you want to be a guest on a show? By the way, it only cost you hundred dollars. Okay, so that's a bad example. But let's say it's not Sam, but it's someone else who wants to be kind of associated with that kind of product, and then they want to have a link to their site. And if that product's mentioned a lot on the transcript, then that could be good a good SEO strategy for them as well, right? So they so basically they'll be on the same page. There'll be a link to their website, and there'll be lots of lots of keywords about that that thing. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, okay. But you know, one thing I'm concerned about though is I just wonder, like, you know, what's the return on investment? You know, for hundred dollars for, for per transcript, what's the return? So for us, ultimately, we're trying to get listeners. The more listeners that we get, the bigger our show gets, the more donations we can get. Okay, how many more <laughs> listeners, right? Right. But, but hold, on a se- hold on a second. The return on investment is is that the person who who donates the money to adopt a show, basically that information is like unleashed to the world and available for more people. So therefore, more people get to learn the information, right? Or more people get to see the information. That's fine. But what are we trying to do? We're trying to grow our show, right? I mean, if you, but it's if not you just if, about us. It's also I, about I know, our listeners. But listen, I know, but I understand that, Justin. I understand that, but let's, let's be real about it for a second here, okay? What is the one thing that you've talked about that you want to do? You would say, I would love to have texting be big enough that we make enough donations that it actually paid for our time. That right? would be awesome, yeah. Right. That's the real goal because that creates real sustainability, right? At some point in time, if we don't get enough donations, the you know, 10 or 15 hours a week that this takes up of our time might not be, not be something we can maintain. Right. I guess that could happen. Yeah, that could happen. And, um, but we also spoke about the possibility of the podcast acting as like a a way of kind of get reaching out to people for any, any kind of projects or side projects that we do. That's, that's, that's true too. But once one of these, I'm getting past the side projects, right? I want Epic Night to become a successful company, right? I'm going to, I'm moving beyond this. I'm just trying little things. Like I, I want this thing to be successful and a point where I don't need to like necessarily reach out to for the for help on little projects that this thing's generating real money and I have a real company and I have employees and it's real. You you won't it, have any need to do the podcast then. So so any be, mo- what I'm yeah what I'm saying is if because because startups like that can be really all encompassing. So I'm just saying at some point it, you, you it becomes more and more of a strain to um to say okay well I got I got to spend more time on the podcast right. Well how how much money could the podcast earn you that um it was it was worth your while <laughs> like I don't I, I mean I don't know I'm just saying but like so. But what ultimately, the, 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 if we built the podcast that we had 10 or 20,000 listeners, as right. opposed to like, say, 800 eight or 900, right? Then the donations from that, we would be able to, um, after paying for expenses and, uh, and, and, and generally reinvesting in the show, there would be enough left over that it would actually pay for our time at a rate that would be reasonable. You say, okay, well, it's like, oh, I make ten dollars. I make ten dollars an hour for the show. It's like, eh, no. Okay, way. look, so, so here, so here's what I, what I'm getting. I, I think I can understand where you're coming from. Basically, it's not so much about the money, right? It's about the, the feeling of value and feeling like what you're putting into it, that you're feeling valued, and that you're, no, you're it's not just. Not, no, it's not. It's not all touchy feeling like that. It's not just feeling valued. It's ultimately will about be about. I mean, at the end of the day, you can enjoy doing stuff, but it's but if you don't make any revenue from it, it's purely a hobby. And hobbies fall victim to other things in life that actually do count, like making a living for your family, right? Okay, so I, I'm, I'm think I'm being a bit thick here, but let's just just <laughs> this is the last time. I don't I'll think you're being this, thick. Right? I think okay. you're just being touchy feely. as well. No, no. Okay, look. <laughs> So, okay, so go f- fast forward like three, you know, two years, right? Okay. App Ignite is doing very, very well. You've got a couple of thousand customers, right? It's turning over 
you know, anywhere between two and five million revenue, right? Mm-hmm. We have 20,000 people listening to Texing. What amount of revenue could Texing bring in that would be a meaningful revenue figure to you at that stage for you to actually do the show? Why, why would Texting need to bring in know. revenue? Let's see. We, we kind of talked about, let's say, like one listener could be um, worth, uh, you know, like, like we, were, we were making like $500. We got about $500 in donations in the first month, right? No, what I'm trying to understand is... I know, I'm just I'm going to work from the bottom up, though. No, I mean, but do, I, you, I, I, do you understand the question I'm asking you? I know, you're you? saying, I, like, if I, if I make $10,000 a month from it? No, 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 no. The question I'm asking you is, if you, if your company's earning $5 million, why do you care if Texting brings in any money? Like, well, first what, what of all, $5 million is a lot more money than it would be making two years from now. So you're, you're, getting, you're using crazy numbers there. But let's just say okay. that it's making enough to where I can pay myself um, more than I would make consulting. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, the rest it, of the money is the yeah. rest of the money is probably going back into reinvesting in the company. Right. It's making you call, let's 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 just like in our theoretical experiment and our kind of thought experiment. Let's say that App Ignite is earn, in profit is bringing in two hundred and fifty grand a year for you. Okay. So right. so now why do you need money from texting? Well, first of all, you know, uh, you know, you'd be like, okay, if I spend this extra time working at App Ignite, then. I could generate more money for myself, right? I could, because $250,000, you know, as an entire family income in Pasadena, California, it's not like I have a Learjet or something, right? I mean, yeah, you'd be living a, you'd be living a decent life, but you would still be just a stretch to buy a, a you know, a house for a family of five in uh, Pasadena, right? You're still not living huge. I mean, if you have two people, if you have a, a wife, a husband and wife, who are each making a little over $100,000 in living in this area, you know, you're not driving fancy cars and have like a giant house, right? You just, no, no, totally. I agree. You're yeah. just, you're just getting by. You're trying to save for, you know, yeah, you're, you know, cause right now it's just all in my salary and I make, you know, over a hundred thousand, but not by a lot. And we are really just barely getting by. It's interesting. Cause I, in some ways I would have thought it was more valuable to have transcript of all the shows, more people coming to the show, everyone basically uh the show continued growing people recommending it to other people and um therefore there being i don't know 20 30,000 people listening to us talk and basically we'd be talking about App Ignite a lot and then that would essentially continue to market App Ignite and would continue Yeah no to grow because like business. for instance for instance the show has only brought maybe maybe 50 or 100 people sign up to the to the um to the beta list Right, right. So it's not a huge. I, I doubt even if you multiply. So even if you multiply that by ten, the show is ten times bigger. It still wouldn't be this huge driver for right. the growth of App Ignite, right? So in a sense, it's just sort of a, uh, it's just sort of a, a fun thing to do. In addition, so but I just think I mean it's just like what John D- John C. Dvorak is saying, right? He's like you know look you need you need to create revenue you need to make sure this thing is value and people need to understand that this is a, a big investment of your time and that if you're going to continue doing it that you need support or you know other issue advertising and i, I think, think that's the way you look at things that's how things become sustainable and that's why so many of these of these um podcasts get off the ground and they quit after you know 10 shows or 20 shows or or even a few more and they quit because it takes a lot of time which ultimately costs is a because for me it's a big i mean i lose a lot of money all the time that i spent i'd be doing consulting work so i lose for every for every week let's say at least 10 hours in total so that's a thousand dollars i probably lose three to four thousand dollars consulting a month doing the show you you're completely right and i'm i'm just i'm basically playing devil's advocate because i really want to tease out of you what's what the reasons are 
Are you sure? Are you just, are you just, this is the first time you realized that. (laughs) Okay. So yeah, I'm just saying that, you know, we're investing a lot of our time doing this and yeah, do we enjoy it? But I also enjoy writing code. That doesn't mean that I'm going to do right for, you know, I'm going to work as a consultant for free just because I enjoy writing code. Right. Um, and uh, otherwise, because I think our wives would be like, listen, (laughs) you need to (laughs) shut up quit recording your, your podcast and go do some more consulting work. If there's, if it's ultimately won't lead to something that's sustainable where they're like, okay, your investment in time, if you're not, if you're not, um, you know, making money, you need to be spending time with the family mm-hmm. with them. Right. How did we get onto this? I don't know. You talk about the transcripts. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, so the long and the short of it is, um, what, what have we decided about the transcripts? Basically we're not going to get onto the adopter show thing until we can, get the site revamped basically that's the next thing i think it's going to be a while i just don't think we have the money for it i think it's gonna i'm just not sure that i'm i I have to be convinced that spending 500 to a thousand dollars a month is going to have a return on investment for the show until it's going to bring in that many more listeners right because if it doesn't bring in that many more listeners then it doesn't help us so what happens if someone sends us an email and says look i don't want to donate money to you guys but i do actually want to spend 80 bucks transcribing this one show Sure. What would you do? Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to, if you if you don't want to listen to the show, but you you know I'm not a listener, I'll, but I, I don't think that'll ever happen. So I think it's a silly. Okay, so you don't think that anyone will offer eighty bucks to transcribe any show and adopt a show right right now? You don't think that's going to happen? I think that's. I think it's. Uh, I think it's slim to none. I think uh, unless very... I, no 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 I guess unless they were saying well no okay say so maybe I should say that wrong if if because if ultimately if they got promotion from it like if we have a big enough listener base to where if they get adopt the show and their name and their link and and the whole thing about them well they they, they will because our listener base is going to grow right? right and whenever anyone joins the show as we've seen again and again people go and listen back to the whole back catalog. Yeah, no, maybe so, but I, I think we're—I don't think we're there yet. I think it's too much money from where we are, okay. um, and uh, may, maybe, maybe later, maybe down the road. But we'll see. I mean, I'm—I'm I'm open to talking more about it. I just—I think we just have to work out the numbers and see the numbers where the numbers are. Um, but you know, we—we we have to—we have to spend money on some of these other things, the audio and, and the redesign of the site first. All right. Well, if anyone does want to adopt the show, send us an email and let us know which one you want to adopt. And then we'll tell you, well, can you give us that money for something else instead? <laughs> okay, what's the next thing we're going to talk about? Okay, we don't have a whole lot of time left, so let's just cover a couple things. Um, one, I was going to say, um, let's see here. Um, the, there's something called Social Pro. Have you heard of that? It's Social Pro for MailChimp? No, I haven't. I was just, I was just, I watched a little video on it because I, I emailed Rob Walling about it and he had mentioned that if you have an email list in, um, in MailChimp, it will determine, it'll be able to break down these, um, each one of these email addresses and determine like, you know, where, what, what are sort of the demographics to some degree and what are they, what percentage are on Twitter or Facebook and also like what the influences on are of certain of certain emails. So like if you have like, so I have what, 1800 emails now, right? There could be 40 or 50 of them that are like, um, people have big time blogs, right? Interesting. And I would need, to, and if I knew that, if I say, okay, this person has, you know, 10,000 or 50,000 uh, Twitter followers, they have a blog with, you know, 30,000 readers, um, I need to reach out to them personally. Right. I need to send them a custom email, maybe offer to give them a custom demo, because if they 
are excited by App Ignite and what it can do, then that can, uh, and they decide to write a blog post about it or whatever, then that can bring in a lot of new people. Whereas, you know, somewhere where there's someone else would be like, oh, they don't even have a blogger uh, and they have a Twitter account with like nine followers, right? It's like, it's not, I can't spend the time giving them a custom personal demo unless, yeah. or I could find, oh, you know, but the other thing is, of course, which you wouldn't be able to determine from this, it's like, oh, someone may not have a blog or any followers, but they work for a corporation and they're the influencer and they say, hey, you know, we could bring Epic Night in and develop a lot of internal projects. But at the very least, what you'd want to do is find out the people who have big public profiles and, be, and a lot of public reach and, um, and connect with them personally. Because if, if, because normally what you're going to do when you launch is you're going to send emails or try and make a connection with people who run these blogs. Right. But if you know a lot of them, of, of some percentage of them already signed up to, uh, to be um, for the beta list, you need to connect with them. So social pro will let you do that. Do you do you have like a file where you're logging all of these ideas? I do. I do. Not all of them, but I, I log most of them. <laughs> so so, you know, when it comes to launch time, you can go through that file and you can execute this idea, this idea, this idea. Yeah, I mean, I haven't done a countdown. I was kind of thinking about that, like what, like my, my sort of checklist, my countdown checklist, like a month before I want to do this, two weeks before I want to do it. But I have a pretty clear, I mean, I think about this constantly. So yeah, I have a pretty good idea of how this thing's going to play out. I mean, the first thing I want to do is I want to get this um, email list up, this beta list up to minimum of, let's say 3,000, let's say 2,500, minimum of 2,500, maybe 5,000. And then what I'm going to do is, is, is the people who want to be in the first batch of beta, these are the people who are really excited about it, that if they, I'll, I can't remember which, which site does this, but they'll create a link so that you can track who's done it. And if people have, 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 have tweeted the link, then they'll, be, they'll get in the first batch. So if you want to get in, help me out and, and do a tweet, and tweet about this, right? And so that kind of wins. So that'll really magnify that effect, right? Does that make sense? Yeah. Right? So, that's that's so, the right idea. So if I had, so let's say you had 5,000 lists and let's say that like, you know, 5% of those people said, all right, I'll, I'll tweet that. Right. So, you know, you have, um, so what's a five, 10% would be 500. So 5% would be 250 people would go out and tweet about it on, you know, then you might be able to get that 5,000 up to 6,000 or something or 7,000 mm-hmm. because someone might have big, big followings. A lot of people come in and check it. So you, you kind of do like a double bounce, right? You really jack that number up again. And then what happens then when you launch, and then of course you do that, you reach out to a bunch of blogs and you try and get that up to, and maybe you're pushing up with, you know, get another couple thousand people in because of, you got some reviews from, you know, rewrite web or, you know, whatever. And then what you do is then when you do launch, you sit, you, you give like, as Rob Walling has suggested, you do like a 48 hour window say, all right, so this is the initial pricing. Anybody's willing to sign up for the first 48 hours, they're guaranteed this price and plus a discount. And when the price goes up and it most likely will, you're grandfathered in. And so now, is that going to be for life or for a year? I don't know. We'll pro- it'll pro- you know, probably be at the, at the very least, at the very least, it'll be a significant amount of time. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people get in early and are like, you know, I like Epic and I like what I see. It's not quite there yet for me, but it has a lot of it and I, and I believe it's going to get there. They might be like, yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and sign up now. Fine. Well, you know, maybe, maybe like David Cancel did a performable, they end up raising the price from like 20 bucks a month or 30 bucks a month to ultimately like $200 a month for their low mm-hmm. end. Yeah. You know, ultimately maybe that ends up happening with App Ignite. Maybe I start out and I have, okay, well the low end it's, you know, it's relatively inexpensive to get started, but you know, it's going to go up. And so then you get a lot of people who, um, who sign up early 
get in, and then you get a big influx of uh, of revenue right in the first month, which then for me would allow me to offset my consulting time, and I could spend time reinvest that into Appignite and really push on it, so that rather than it taking me eighteen months to get to the point where I don't have to consult and I can work for full time Appignite, maybe I can pack that down to maybe it takes me six months. I I feel more than confident that uh, you're going to get enough money from the launch to be able to get yourself a few months leeway. I feel very, very confident about that. Well, thanks. Well, I hope that's, that's sort of my loose plan and I have some other sort of things I'm going to, I'm going to do along with it, but that all, all that depends on getting as many people in before the launch as well to really help that initial push. I, think. I actually know how you can do that. Like, cause, cause one of the issues is right. You, you I, ideally you want to be able to say to these people, look, you can have this for life, right? So you, this nineteen ninety nine or twenty nine ninety nine or whatever that offer is, you can have this for life. The way that you do it is you just make sure that on those plans you have limits that aren't going to kind of put you under. So, for example, let's say they build a website that all of a sudden turns into Facebook, right? You don't want you don't want those people like having having a, a site with the, the traffic of Facebook for nineteen ninety nine. So you just basically work out what are sensible limits and you just put that into those basic plans. Right? Well, yeah, well, that's going to be it for the first. I don't, uh, App Ignite, I mean, one other thing I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to do is I'm going to allow people to export their website. Right. So you can build it on App Ignite and then go run it on whatever service you want. So, and, and in general, I'm going to, I'm going to be like, okay, you know, this is fine for, you know, your, your beta site or your small version. You maybe have a couple hundred users or a thousand users or whatever, but this isn't for running when you have 50,000 users at this point in time, but then yeah. maybe six months or a year down the road, I'm like, okay, we got, we've got this infrastructure now and we got all this Amazon EC2 stuff working for us and we can scale up instantaneously and you can run everything on our infrastructure. You never have to worry about getting your own server, then fine. Then maybe we can do that. And that's a different level of support. But the first version would be like, yeah, <laughs> this is, yeah, this will work great for your first, you know, for a while, if either for a small site or internal sites that are internal to your, here to your company or for stuff that's just getting off the ground. But if you start really picking up traction and I probably won't support that for, for a while, I would think. Okay, cool. Yeah. But cool. yeah, it's a, that's the plan. So, uh, do you have anything? Uh, I have, you know, I have so many things to talk about. But yeah, me too. It's like I've got, I've got loads of stuff. We just don't have one enough thing. Time. We have, one thing we need to do first of all is we need to um, thank Dan uh, Philippi. Um, oh yeah, totally. Writing a great blog post about us. Um, this is actually a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, was November. this the best podcast you never heard? Yeah, yeah, that's right. The best. That was an awesome heard. blog post. Thank you. Yeah. So we we. I think it slipped by on one of our shows and then we did a couple interview shows. And so I, I sent him an email and I said, by the way, just, <laughs> we didn't forget. We, we really appreciate the blog post. So thanks, Dan. It was a great, uh, really great uh, review of the show. Um, and we definitely appreciate you uh, sticking with us for so much time and giving us all these great comments. So if anybody, and just to remind everybody, if, if you're willing to um, write a blog post about us, we will definitely give you a shout out and on the show and we'll write a, we'll put a link to your, um, to your, uh, blog post in the show notes um if one thing we're still trying to do is we're trying we're really we're pushing for some more uh itunes reviews we only have a handful so we could really use some help in there and most importantly we really could use some um support financial support as either ten dollars for a shout out fifty dollars to be an executive producer get an executive producer pr uh, credit or um and of course the most highly um the most appreciated would be a grand patron sponsorship. Well, it, it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't limit there. I mean, if you, if you really wanted to give us 500 bucks to just get it out the way, you could, you we have could to do come that up with well. something. We have to come up with something for like, well, the, we'll just, we'll just, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll have you over for dinner or something. <laughs> <laughs>
we have to have something. We have to do something really special. We have to come up for like the, you know, like the enterprise price. Because, you know, when you see these websites that have like, you know, their three or four pricing, they have like this enterprise like, man, who pays like, you know, $5,000 yeah. a month for that? There probably are customers that pay, maybe only a handful. Oh, of course. So you may have a top end thing like, hey, you pay X amount. We will fly to your city and have you on the <laughs> show and do it. that is not a bad idea like a 10 like a 10,000 right so if you if you want to put 10,000 into texting we will literally fly to your city we'll stay in a hotel and we will use all that money to we'll interview on on the show (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i don't all right nice okay i think that's i think that's the show yeah that's it that's good all right that's a wrap we're out 